Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet busters and closet dwellers. We want you to come out of the closet and live your life uncloseted. It is time for another episode of that show, the one that helps you find your way out to live your life your way and do the bold thing you're meant to do. And today, shame, 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 shame on you if you are not doing what you're supposed to do because... Somebody told you you shouldn't. They shamed you into it. They told you when you were a little kid you couldn't do that thing. And then before you know it, you find yourself just being totally caught up in the shame game all the way through your life. And it doesn't matter if you shame yourself for not having enough Instagram followers or you shame yourself because you're not the right kind of Christian or you're shamed because you're an LGBTQ individual or black or a woman or whatever it is that's coming across the headlines these days. Shame is exhausting until today. Well, maybe not till today. I would love to solve the whole world's problems with shame with my good friend Midge, who's going to be on here in a moment, but we sure hope you take some time today and really listen to what does it mean when we can really step past, through, over, and stomp out those feelings of shame. In fact, if I had my way, I'd tell the whole shame thing to go fuck off and get the hell out of our way, because otherwise we can't live a beautiful, awakened life. And that's why I invited my good friend, Midge, who's been on the podcast. I think this is going on number three, right, Midge? I think so. And we have done this many times together, but I don't think we've ever touched really on this subject at this depth, especially bringing it forward to bring it to everybody, but to specifically kind of talk about how shame affects lesbian women. So I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here as always. As always. Because we always say, you know, you're my sister from another mother and I'm your brother from another <laughs> father or something like that. I don't know what the hell say, but it's something along those lines, I think. But uh, That's right. That's yeah, right. We got we a soul connection. Out, yeah. Bless our little hearts for trying to figure out all that stuff. So it's shameful that we can't. But anyway, on with the show here. So I'm really curious. This thing came up kind of out of left field when you approached me on it. And obviously it's a passion of yours. So why this whole shame thing? Why did it start to crop up in your life and you want to address it and really talk about it? Well, it was such a hard thing for me to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was in a religious family. I had a grandfather. You're a lesbian. Are you serious? By the way, by Uh, the way. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I might need a martini after this one for crying out loud. (laughs) Only if you share. This is how Midge and I roll. We just kind of do this. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, this is what we did. It was really hard. I do know it was really hard. So it really, really was hard. And and I was I was in a small town, lots of ministers in my family, and it was just not safe or probably feasible for me to have figured it out so early. But because of that. I knew I was different intrinsically. I knew, but there was no language back in the day. You know, I'm 59. So back in the day, we didn't, we didn't talk about this openly. There were no Instagrams and Facebooks and, and internet. There was none of that. 
none of that. So you only knew what your family told you. And our youth group told me that sex was like having um, or homosexuality was like having sex with animals. And that was the first time it had ever been discussed in any kind of formal fashion. And I thought, well, I can't be that. <laughs> and that scared me to death. So there was a lot of shame in knowing that I was different, feeling different. I'd go to the altar every Sunday and pray and cry and try to figure out how to, to feel like I was accepted. And it went for years and years like that. And then, you know, how society just does it anyway. I mean, we're not really like on the top of the, you know, preferential treatment list. And so the, a lot of shame, I think, is kind of intrinsically put upon us just by how people model that for us. You know, here's the pink toys. Here are the blue toys. This is what you can do as a job. This is what you can do. And then, of course, everybody has to be straight. There were no options. Yep. So I think shame is just part of what we naturally feel when we know that we're different. And if we become something other than what we're feeling, it's not going to be right. And I think that shame interferes with not only our, our spiritual self, but it interferes with our growth as a person that we can't if we're hiding that within ourselves, that inner homophobia, then that is affecting our quality of life. And it's also affecting our relationships. It's affecting everything. Mm -hmm. And, well, and so when I, homophobia is huge. I mean, we all, yes, we have all gone through it. And okay. Those of you who are straight, you haven't, but trust me, you have your own version of internalized homophobia that you've probably gone through. And it's such, it's just such an ass kicker. Because it's like, here I am. I know I'm gay. <sighs> oh, but I can't be that gay. I can't. No, that's not. No, that doesn't work for me. And then it's like, well, wait. <laughs> you can't judge somebody else just because they happen to be gay and they don't do gay the way you do it. But then the right. shame shows up. Yeah. Because we're all looking for that acceptance on some level. You know, we might not have got it from our families or the church. Is, and we're still looking for that niche where we feel like we're really included and this is who we are. But you're right. The community is very diverse. And, you know, we have, you know, extremely professional, high-functioning adults out there who have never come out. Yep. And I'm not saying you have to come out not to feel shame. But if you're not out because of the shame, that saddens me. Yes. Because you're not living your life completely, you know, large and authentically, there's something holding you back. I you know, know, I work with a lot of kids coming out, you know, <clears throat> just in my practice. And these kids today are like crazy, scary, bold, that they're just mm -hmm. <laughs> out there and they don't really, they don't recognize the danger. They don't mm -hmm. think about the danger because everybody's by in school these days. I mean, it's just like a thing. Yeah. And, you know, so they think it's well, so have, comfortable. Before you can get into school, you have to check the box. Are you by? Yes. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. I cannot believe how many kids just let that roll off their lips. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, you know, in a way it's so freeing and I love the, the fluidity of that. But I also know that they're not aware of how, how bad it can be, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a, there's, there's that part, but, but if we're, if we're living that life of secrecy, it takes a toll. Yes. And especially if it's because we still feel somehow not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that piece of not good enough, it just slays me 
and I know you you commented on this on Facebook not long ago because some senator in South Dakota or somewhere went off on a gay uh, gay lesbian straight alliance day and told the mm-hmm. students that they were you know homosexuals were exactly what you just said they're like animals and all this stuff mm-hmm. and I just thought we just can't seem to get past this this shame is just going to continue and you know I don't want to get into the whole political thing but it's just it it doesn't stop when you do not allow someone to be who they are. And of course, we can go into this whole argument about, okay, well, then you're not allowing me as a Christian to be who I am. I, you can be who you want to be. Just don't make it part of my shame and my, part of my pain. Because I'm not going to make you pained because you're a Christian. But just be respectful. And I think that's the thing that gets missed here is there's a difference in I don't agree with you and I don't see life the way you do. I don't look through the black and white lens because I can't see rainbows the way you guys do. (laughs) But there's a difference in that and being just downright mean, hateful and shameful to people and telling people, you know, you have, you're just not good enough. You, this is shameful to act and live the way you do. And I hate it that so many people, and you and I, you know, we've talked about this before, but we're talking about slightly different tonight. Um, that so many people, that shame piece just carries forward and forward and forward. And uh-huh. before you know it, you're in your 50s. I'm, I'm right there with that whole piece because there's still certain things that make me feel shame and I have to walk through it and go, wait, nope, that's old programming. We got to turn it off. We got to pl- unplug it and move forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're finding too, as you're looking at the practice that you're working with, especially when it comes to lesbian women. So what have you seen really that becomes common as a shame piece that keeps women closeted in their stuff, keeps them from living boldly as who they are? What is some of the shame stuff that arises, Midge? Well, I think that it comes down to just the scrutiny of what people are going to expect. So especially with me as a, as a gay therapist, for children Mm. and that whole belief system that, you know, gay people are pedophiles and gay people are going to molest kids. So to be out in this community that I live in, um, it's, you know, it could be very, you know, difficult for people to want to bring their children to me. And especially because sometimes, you know, the parents are in my office. A lot of times they are just because I feel like family therapy is more helpful, but a lot of times they're also not in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people know that I'm gay. It's not that I'm hiding it, but it's not always relevant in the session. There are some people that will come in and if I know that they are super, super religious and, you know, they kind of make that very evident in the beginning, I'll say, okay, before we get started, I need to say, Mm -hmm. and I will come out to them. And give them the option to stay or not to stay. Mm -hmm. And most of them have stayed, which was really surprising with some of the more religious folks. But they're like, that's your business. It's not my business. You know, and because they were for, thankfully, they were there more for their child than anything else. And they felt like that I had enough good reputation that they were going to stay. But there are doctors. I want to interrupt here for a moment, just because there's something here that I want to unpack real quick. Yep. Because what you just said is so powerful that some people are like, that's your stuff, that's your business and move on. So why do you think others are like, I just can't deal with this? Nope. Uh, They would turn heel and walk out. I'm curious from your perspective. I have a perspective I'll share too, but I want to hear yours. 
-hmm. What's the difference? Because some people say fine and others will just go livid. What do you think that is? Fear. I think people are fear, fear, fearful of going to hell. They've been indoctrinated their whole entire lives yes. that if you don't believe this straight line dog, dogma, then you're going to go to hell. And they are so afraid of that that they don't allow themselves the chance to, to really dig deeper into the scripture and figure out where did that come from and what time of year, you know, what time, period of time was that? You know, they, don't, they can't question they're so insecure inside of themselves that they've allowed things to be fed to them and they swallow every single bit of it. And then the fear kicks in that now if you don't live this life, then you're going to hell. Yeah. I really believe it's fear-based. And for the people that are religious, but they choose to stay in therapy with me, it's because somewhere they have found their own understanding that my life is not going to send them to hell. If they come to me as a therapist, that doesn't mean that they're somehow cohorting or cohorting, you yep. know, with a, with a sinner. Yep. And even if they think that they then still have another incentive to get their kid, the help that they need. And I was the one that was recommended, or I'm the one that gave, you know, somebody gave them a recommendation because they had seen me before and the gay piece kind of like gets out of the way and we work on what's in front of us. Yeah. But the, you know, being able to be in a, a small county like that, it, for some people, I think just their reputation and the backlash, they just don't want to go through the backlash yeah. and they just want to be a professional person mm -hmm. and not have to deal with the political or the religious part of it. Mm -hmm. But I here's also, the thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. here's the thing. I think you and I are in the same, we're in the same space, but I also think, there's some people, a lot of them, if I don't do everything I can to save you, I am not going to get into heaven. Yes. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's their, so it's their job. It's their job. It's their it job. Me. And there's certain people in our current administration, Sarah Huckabee, oh, I didn't mean to say that, um, in particular, <laughs> that, honey, if it was my job to fix your makeup, honey, I would get into heaven. So, you know, that's just mm -hmm. what it is. But it, I have seen this so often, and I finally asked somebody a couple of years ago who was like very blatant about this. I thought, okay, I could go with why does what I do in my bedroom or who I live with or who I wake up with. And I thought, nope, not even going to go there. I went straight to the jugular and I said, so if you could change me, what are you going to get from it? Uh -huh. And then that's what I got back. <laughs> with dead silence <laughs> wow because suddenly they mm. didn't know what to do the dogma couldn't come out <laughs> yep because oh i haven't been taught how to respond to this right right and then suddenly they had to think for themselves they had to have the answer and i've done this a couple other times and and the others who have responded they changed the subject immediately well that's not what this is about <laughs> well okay then what is it about and again, it's like, as soon as you start to challenge in the right ways, and this isn't what this is about, but it is about getting to that shame piece. It's like, you're going to throw shame or shade, whatever you want to call it on me. And then I, you want me to pack it in my Samsonite and carry that with me the rest of my life. But you can't justify why you're throwing that shame and shade. It doesn't work. Right. It, it doesn't work. You know, and it's not just about gay people either because you know my focus in my coaching business is all about you know transforming the 
the pain and shame from wherever you're at. So yes, my, my heart is to the LGBTQ community, of course, but also to women. I know you deal with the men, you know, but for women, you know, we still don't get paid enough or as much, you know, there are still, you know, barriers to us as professional women. And, you know, because of a lot of women coming out of that, that religious belief is that you have to be submissive. You can't think for yourself. There's so much shame in, in just not being able to claim that power. But once you can transform it and you start to understand your worthiness and get clear about your purpose on this earth and what you're, you know, you're put here to do, then you can claim that power of speaking up for yourself, being the person you were put on this earth to be, you know, shine as bright as your light can shine. And that's for all people really. But, you know, because of you are who you are and I'm who I am, you know, we're split with the sexes here. (laughs) I'll take the women, you take the men. It's a exactly. perfect wedding. It is. It is. And here's how, here's how I know that I got there is that I was doing some, some marketing and putting some Facebook videos on boost and boosting it out there, which I'm not really sure that works very well, but still somebody's listening and I get this response back from one of my videos and it was a little bit more, this one was more targeted to, to the gay clientele that I'm, that I'm, you know, looking at. And, um, so somebody wrote a message back in the, and I opened it up and I went, whoa, because it was one of those hate-filled, homophobic, you're going to hell, yada, da, 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 da. And I looked at it and I was shocked. And then I just hit delete. Mm. And I thought, whoa. And I, it was the first time, Rick, that I, had, I did not feel a personal attack, even though it did come to me. Mm-hmm. I knew for the first time it wasn't meant for me. It was the most beautiful, empowering moment that I felt worthy. I did not need his permission. Mm-hmm. I, did not, I did not accept what he offered because I knew it wasn't for me. And I didn't, get the, I didn't feel the need to write him back and defend my position or tell him why it's okay that I'm gay. I just knew that it wasn't worth my time (laughs) and that was a beautiful place to be. So I know that I can come from being the most shamed feeling person to this place of transformation. It was awesome. And I want that for everybody. (laughs) And when you can realize at the depth of who you are, that we're all capable of this, we're all capable Mm -hmm. of releasing shame, Mm -hmm. but we have to give ourselves permission to do it. We have to give ourselves permission. We don't need anybody else's permission to let it go. Right. And that, that kernel, that little nugget that helps us release it is to really be loved to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That worthiness that can transform the shame is based in, do I love me? And we were taught our whole life that we're not lovable, that we're an abomination, that there's something really, really sick or wrong with us. And we don't usually love those ideas of people who are you know, sick or damaged or no right. good, you know, that kind of thing. So, so the first step has to be to, to really find out how to love yourself. Yep. And then that worthiness becomes brighter and brighter until you can be really, truly in your authentic power. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when you first said Colonel and Nugget, I thought she's just trying to tease me because I'm hungry and she's going to talk about <laughs> fried chicken and chicken nuggets. But there is a beautiful, <laughs> there is a beautiful Colonel and Nugget in this whole thing. And I did that purposely because I want people to remember this part. Mm. When you can see the Colonel of where this thing of shame starts, because it starts mm-hmm. as a little thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy and it may take therapy or it may take some really deep coaching, either one. But when you can get back to where that first piece of shame showed up. So here's where Rick's going to be really good about connecting the dots to the nugget. (laughs) The nugget of wisdom that comes from that is when you can see it clearly, now you have something to work with. You can see, okay, it started here. And now what do I want to do with that? And if you can take that and kind of then begin to feel the history of how you carried that and what it feels like to carry that shame and to hold that shame and to, you know, stand in front and say, here, here's what I'm ashamed of until you can take that and say, this no longer exists and pull it away. That's when the nugget of wisdom shows up because you can pull it away. Unfortunately, and fortunately, you got to go back to the genesis of it. And sometimes you don't have to go back far. I mean, and this happens every day. We can be so far along in our journey. Hello, you're listening to a 55-year-old and 59-year-old, and we are so far along in our journey. They're going to put us, you know, in a, hopefully a nice, really well-kept retirement home. You know, sit around and eat bonbons. But anyway, um, but when you get that far along, all it takes is one person to pull the same shame stunt a week from now, two weeks from now, two months ago, and you're going to take, be taken right back to that little kernel. But if you know how to take that kernel and get it out of your life, you won't ever carry the shame again. That's right. That's right. So I'm curious as you've started to really dive into this, because the shame piece is it's big in everything that I know that you've done as a counselor. And now you're doing some of this as coaching. What is the most challenging piece of truly helping someone release the shame. I think the most challenging piece is that they'll deny that they have it. No, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I know I'm gay. I'm fine with it. I don't have to tell anybody. I'm just fine with it. I know a lady right now that, that, you know, she's not actually my coaching client, but I know her and she, you know, I mentioned something about it the other day that I was coming on the show and I was going to talk about, you know, my truth and and talk about this new business. And, and she's like, Oh, well, there's that, there's that whole topic again. You know that I know I'm gay and I don't have to come out. And I said, who said that? And it's like, she's already (laughs) feeling like this forced thing. She, she is that nervous about it. And, um, and that's her own shame, but she doesn't even admit that she has shame because it's hard for her to even think about making a conversation about it in general. So, you know, I think it's getting people to understand that it's okay to feel the shame mm-hmm. and know that it's there so that we can then start to unpack it and see like what you were saying, where did this come from? How, how is it resonating with you? What's keeping it there and how can we release it? It's so ironic that you just said that because I was working on something today. I'm working through like a content plan for, you know, podcasts and writing and all this stuff. And where I started was the first step is admitting, admitting whatever it is. Of course, you know me, you know me well enough. I I wrote down, okay, so this, this month is going to be about truth and admitting your shit. Okay, cool. There we got right there. The stake is in the ground. But if we don't admit it, and I'm not saying the woman you're talking about, that there's anything wrong with where she's at. 
Mm-hmm. That's what's working for her. Mm-hmm. When it becomes toxic is when you try to pretend it's really not an issue, but everything you do shows it's an issue. Right. Because then you're hurting yourself. You're kidding yourself. You're not facing your fears. You're obliging to somebody else's whim, reason, whatever. You're pretending to be something you are. You're avoiding where you're supposed to go. You're, you're comparing yourself to all the other people who come out as gay. And then suddenly, before you know it, your self-worth is going down into the shit tank. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, if I do that, I'm going to be so, you know, that would mean I have to be transparent. I have to be really, really vulnerable. And I could never give myself permission to do that. And then you wonder why you don't have connection and why you have no confidence to be who you are. <laughs> That's the thing that was running through my mind is that self-doubt, yeah. that when we're not claiming anything, we're always doubting that we're not good enough or that somebody's going to judge us or that we're going to fail at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always think, okay, so, and I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm the first one to raise my hand and say, I'm not good at practicing this myself. I work at it every day, but it's like, okay, so if somebody doesn't accept us, What's the worst that's going to happen? Right. They don't accept us. Does it get under my skin? Of course it gets under my skin. But when it quits getting under my skin, I go, well, that was a good two days of like holding my head and banging my bald head against the wall because somebody didn't accept me. What did I get done? Not a damn thing. Mm-hmm. But when I don't allow it to go there, it's like, okay, I can be in and out of this in like five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And release. Because if I don't, then I allow that shame to show up of somebody not accepting me. Mm-hmm. And for what? Where does that get us? That's the, that's the crazy thing. It just shoves us in a closet of this shame. And there we sit in the dark playing with shame and going, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely sucks. So what are some of the things that you have found have been really a good way to bring somebody forward from shame? What's some of the steps that you try to help people in this world? Well, the first thing is just to meet them where they are and hold some space. Mm -hmm. When they know that you feel that connection to them and they start to feel safe, then they're going to be able to get a little bit more real. And then, you know, instead of pushing it one way or the other, you know, you just kind of start to to have conversations and the more I can keep it just as a light conversation in the beginning. And we just talk about our past and, and how we got to where we are and how we're doing what we're doing. Then that just continues to bring that, that whole invitation of just being who you are. And so now they're already starting to find things that they're good at. And as I point out things that, you know, their strengths and they start to be able to resonate with that. So it's really just this, this beautiful dance of just being sort of like not talking about it to bringing in things that kind of resonate with them yeah. until they can build that, that strength-based love for themselves because that's the first step. Yeah. I need to grow internally and believe and resonate with who I am internally. And then the second step is then, then how do we want to resonate that to the world? You know, I love me. Now, how am I going to put my, my, my best skills out there and how am I going to do that? Um, And as I then take that, 
that little thing and we run with that for a little bit and then we it, it just begins to open up on its own then they get excited about the fact that okay now I really do love myself and now here are some tools that I can use when other people don't love me and how can I you know stop taking it personal even though it, it may be sent like a personal attack I'm the only one that gets to decide if it really resonated as a personal attack you know there would have several years ago had that guy sent me that thing that would have derailed me and just just <laughs> shut me down but because I now know that I get to choose I get to choose my reactions to hate and I get to step up and become the person I want to be so I think the the critical piece really is to start with the self-love continue to let them recognize their skills and what they're great at and their strengths and then teach them the tools to be able to manage the hate without letting it resonate, manage the hate without letting it resonate. And the other thing I've, and I've taught too, kids, girl. I know I just do it all. Hmm. I've taught the kids that, you know, if somebody says something to us, like a, a and I'll, I'll do this on this really basic level and I'll say, okay, so if somebody came up and called you a purple people eater, what would you do? And the kids will laugh. And I said, well, you know why you laughed at that? Because number one, you don't know any purple people and you probably don't eat them. So that doesn't ring true for you at all. I said, but what if, and if it was a child that maybe has struggled in reading or something, I said, what if somebody said that you're too dumb to read? And you can see their face just change. And I said, that's personal because there's a piece of you that thinks you're not so smart at reading. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about how everybody's smart at something. And so you can be smart at math or you can be smart at drawing or you can be smart at being the best runner. And we talk about how it, we only take it to heart when it rings true in some kind of belief we have about ourselves. So I teach kids to try to put things not into their heart, but through their brain yep. to, to realize that it's a lie and then blow it out their ears. And so we draw pictures of things coming in and we blow it out our ears. And that's the truth for us adults as well. I mean, clearly we take things personal if it resonates with our own self-loathing. If it's something we've bashed ourselves in about or somebody, you know, we developed a core belief because somebody else had said it back in our formative years and we've owned it and carried it. And it's like the cell phone where we have all these apps and our core beliefs are resonating in the background. They may not be actively on, but they're always there drawing yep. energy from us. And so we have to find out what that is. You know, that's the shame part, whatever somebody gave to us and we accepted or what we've learned over the years. And then we've kept it present and ever running in the background. So we have to be able to release that personal attachment to it. And that's when the comments from these little haters come in and you're like, Ooh, well, that was a surprise. Delete. No problem. Yep. No problem. I had it. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who he wears his hair really tall. He's got mm -hmm. one of those big, tall, swoopy, like, you know, hairdos. And mm -hmm. some gal had commented on, it was either an Instagram video or whatever. He, he's a, a great speaker. He, he does culture work. And somebody commented, I have a hard time taking anybody who wears their hair that way serious. <laughs> I just thought, well, girl, <laughs> not having very much fun in life. Because there's a lot of fun people who wear their hair very, very different ways. I have no hair and you probably wouldn't like me either. So there we go. <laughs> it's just, it, it is amazing that it can be the littlest thing. And I love, mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact response, but it was, it was pretty amazing what he came back with. And I thought, you know what? 
we do have this choice. I'm glad that's kind of where you brought this to mm-hmm. wrap things up is we have so much choice that we don't often give ourselves permission to exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this past weekend I was like in my head about a lot of stuff and I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't, I even recorded a whole thing about it on Facebook and, and I thought I had a choice. I could have just said, screw it. But I took the choice of, no, I'm going to be in this and see where it takes me and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff. But I could have chosen to go the other direction. I'm so glad that I did because, well, first of all, it gave me a whole lot of stuff to talk about on Facebook this week and on my <laughs> podcast. And, you know, sometimes you just got to go through the pain so that you can just show everybody you're not as cracked up as they think you are. Or you are as cracked up as mm-hmm. they think you are, too. You know, you are crazy as they think that you might be. But um, so as we wrap up here, Midge, one of the things that I think is just the toughest around shame is when you own it mm-hmm. in a wrong way, it can paralyze you. Mm-hmm. But when you own it in the right way and some people are going to go, okay, well, how do you do that? We're not, we don't have time to explain all that, but <laughs> there is something about just saying, okay, I see this is shame and it's not working. That's owning it in the right way. When you can recognize it and go, this isn't working. I don't need to do this to myself. Mm-hmm. Whether you see that and it makes you thrive or you see that in when you take your first baby step away from it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more we own our shame and get to know it and to really make it our friend, which I know sounds cray, 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 crazy. But when you can do that, that is when you'll be able to release it. And that is when you'll be able to work with it. And that is when you'll be able to thrive. Yep. And I think that's kind of where you've been going all along in this conversation, Minge, is mm-hmm. saying we can have it, but we don't have to own it in a bad way. We can own it in a good way and move us forward. So what's one of the things that was hardest for you as we wrap this up, something really quick that you knew you had to let go of shame around, and then when you did, things began to change? I had to let go of the religion and not that I don't have deep spiritual faith. It, I had to let go of the dogma and the message that I was taught and I had to reframe it to work it for myself. Mm-hmm. And there and is great that's... love for me in the universe and it doesn't have to be the way I was taught. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you just said there was great love for you because when we look at shame from the perspective of it makes me not loved, and then we flip it around and say, there's great love for me, as you so eloquently said, in the universe. That suddenly means there's no room for this shame. Right. It's kind of like fear. I talk about this a lot, too, that we all have fears. I ain't going to sugarcoat it. All of us have stuff that scares the crap out of us. But it's only fearful until you walk through it. And once you walk past it, it's like, okay, we did it. And it's just gone. And the same thing happens with shame. As soon as you allow yourself to walk past it and let it go, it does not exist. And I always tell folks to go through the hurt to get to the healing. It may hurt to drudge up a little bit of that shame and look at it and be able to, to transform it. But once you do it, like you said, it's done. It's done. Well, Midge, I guess our time is done. (laughs) 
Once again, we have ran to the end. We better call it the end because these poor folks will go. These two could go on forever. I think. Well, we could. And the more we go on, you know, it's interesting. I know most of my listeners are going. I never knew Rick had an accent like that. The more image. It just comes out because I did. I grew up down in those Tennessee, Arkansas hills for a while, and I, I do my best to be Californian, not talk that way, but let that stuff go, you know. So, and, well, I'm so glad you came on and shared yourself so beautifully. There'll be every way to touch base with uh, Midge and get in contact with her, and um, you won't regret it. I promise you, you won't regret it whatsoever. So you might, you might, if you go work with her one-on-one, you might get lots of fur baby hair on you because she has too many of those in her life. But uh, Well, I will be doing it on Zoom, so coaching on Zoom, so you don't have to worry yeah. about fur baby hair. And you know what? You can't see it because I don't have the video playing, but when I first got on here to record this week, all I saw was dogs. I'm like, she's got the dogs going to be on here, and it's just this fun little throw blanket. And I just was like, wow, we're doing it with the dogs. But it would have been fine. But anyway, It would have been fine. It would have been just fine. So. All right, Midge. Well, hey, thanks so much again for being here. It's always a pleasure. And like I said, I guess we're at the end for now. Well, I love you, brother. Love you. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments, if you like, and if you believe in this podcast, and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review, because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show, and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.